You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is the Artist Profile Series, episode 36. Each season on the podcast, I choose to highlight a historical figure whose contribution in the realm of art or spiritual insight exemplifies a point of interest related to our themes. As we transition from season 10's theme of restoration for the heart of the artist and prepare for season 11, I could think of no better figure to bring into the conversation than Arctic explorer Ernest Shackleton. Although Shackleton is arguably neither artist nor mystic, the key events of his life carry both a beautiful tale of artistic level of devotion and deep mystical encounter. Ernest Shackleton and the story of his ship, Endurance, has been an inspiration to me for many years. If you go all the way back to season one of the podcast, you'll find a keynote talk I gave called The Gift of Failure, which interprets Shackleton's experience as a spiritual parable. His story has served as a metaphor, giving me courage to understand my own life's successes and failures and offers an extreme example of how we can transform our own worst moments into resources of great wealth for others. Patrons of the podcast can download a full transcript of this episode, as well as enjoy an additional segment titled The Shadows of Our Heroes. Visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics. Thank you for listening. This is the Artist Profile Series, Episode 36, Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton was an Anglo-Irish polar explorer born February 15, 1874 in County Kildare, Ireland. He died on January 5, 1922 aboard the exploration ship Quest while anchored off South Georgia. In his lifetime, he led three expeditions to the Arctic South and gained recognition and support for his work from many sponsors, including the Queen of England. He received medals from Sweden, Denmark, Russia, Italy, and Norway. But it wouldn't be his nautical accomplishments that caused his story to be told and retold again and again in books, documentaries, and films. It would be what he considered his life's biggest failure and the unimaginable horror he and his crew of 27 men faced, which became known as the greatest survival story in history. Shackleton's ship, Endurance, was named after his family motto, By Endurance We Conquer. It was one of the sturdiest wooden ships of its time, built for Antarctic exploration. He couldn't have known at the time how portentous the name Endurance would become, but when his ship was crushed within the packed ice in the harshest weather conditions on Earth, it was only an unwavering commitment to endure at all cost that kept him and his crew alive to tell the story. At the age of 22, Shackleton had a dream that someday he would go to the region of ice and snow and go on until he came to one of the poles of the earth. Ten years later, in 1907-1908, he put his dream in motion and led his first expedition to Antarctica. It was his ambition to be the first explorer to reach the South Pole. Instead, 
he became the first explorer to come within 100 miles of the South Pole. For due to treacherous ice conditions, he was forced to turn back. In 1911, before he was able to pull together a return expedition, he was outrun by Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen, who garnered the acclaim of his dream. In 1912, yet another explorer and rival of Shackleton, Robert Falcon Scott, also reached the Antarctic before him. Rather than sulking in defeat, Shackleton turned his attention toward another dream, perhaps the most ambitious of all of his endeavors. He would now seek to be the first explorer to walk the Antarctic continent from sea to sea in what he called the Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition. Shackleton was known to be a complex character who had outstanding courage on the sea, but largely failed in his domestic life. Some say he was driven by the desire for fame and wealth and was obsessed with a childlike longing to search for treasure. He leveraged his notoriety from previous expeditions to raise support and attract a crew for his new mission. He spent several years preparing for this trip, collecting funds, interviewing and handpicking crew members. He made promises and sold rights to unwritten books and lectures he would give upon his return. Eventually, his efforts paid off, and the expedition was funded by private donors, the British government, and the Royalty Graphic Society. Everything was coming together for Shackleton to take another chance at the South Pole and at realizing his lifelong dream. But as Shackleton prepared his crew for departure, war broke out in Europe, and he was unsure if he could continue as planned. He offered the endurance and his crew members to the British government, but Winston Churchill advised him to proceed. So the ship left London on August 1st, 1914. By December, the endurance had made its way to the Antarctic but its arrival in the south was met by tremendous amounts of pack ice, which halted the ship's progression and proved impossible to break through. The crew spent six weeks trying in vain to break through the impossible barrier of ice. By January, the Endurance remained stuck in the Weddell Sea, only 67 miles from land. The crew deboarded the ship and chiseled away at the ice, but couldn't break it free. January turned into February, and they were still unable to break loose from the ice. Soon it became apparent they would have to make it through the winter before resuming their mission. In the meantime, Shackleton focused on how to keep everyone warm, fed, and in good spirits. They played hockey on the ice floes, wrote songs on crew member Leonard Hussey's banjo, and put together ad hoc plays for entertainment. But the ice proved relentless. February turned into March, March turned into April, May turned into June, and then the crew entered the darkness of the Arctic night. By July, Shackleton knew the endurance would not survive. On October 27, 1915, Shackleton gave the order for the crew to abandon ship. He wrote in his journal, after long months of ceaseless anxiety and strain, after times when hope beat high and times when the outlook was black indeed, the end of the endurance has come. 
But though we have been compelled to abandon the ship, which is crushed beyond all hope of ever being righted, we are alive and well, and we have stores and equipment for the task that lies before us. The task is to reach land with all the members of the expedition. It is hard to write what I feel. To a sailor, his ship is more than a floating home. And in the endurance, I had centered ambitions, hopes, and desires. Now straining and groaning, her timbers cracking and her wounds gaping, she is slowly giving up her sentient life at the very outset of her career. On November 21st, 1915, the crew watched as the endurance was crushed in the ice. Shackleton and his men were left drifting on an ice floe in the most hostile environment in the world. Do you get the impression from Shackleton's own poetic rendering that the transition was more painful than frightful? For as he said, with the sinking of the ship also went down his ambitions, hopes, and desires, which were centered in her. It wasn't just wood and timber or even a sense of security that went down before his eyes, but also his lifelong dream, years of hard work, preparation, and investment. But even amidst the pain of loss, something shifted in the heart of Shackleton. He became a man no longer fueled by seeking his own glory, but one concerned with the well-being of his crew. He had a new dream now. He said, I pray God I can manage to get the whole party safe to civilization. And so what came through the gift of failure and of dying dreams came the catalyst of great self-awakening and transformation. To say the men's situation was desperate mocks the reality of what they faced. It had been nearly a year since they had contact with civilization, and by the end of the ordeal, they will have been stranded for over two years. They had no radio transmitter or any way to contact anyone back home. They were completely alone. Their supplies were dwindling. No one knew where they were. The nearest land was 210 miles away, uninhabited by humans or animals. Shackleton ordered that only two pounds of items per person could be taken along with them from the ship. He led by example, discarding personal belongings such as his watch and a Bible given him by Queen Alexandra. In the Bible, he found the passage from Job 38.29, which reads, From whose womb comes the ice? and the frost of heaven, who gives it birth. He tore this passage from the page to keep as a reminder that even in such a desperate situation, there remained one who reigned even over the ice. He took Psalm 23 with him as well and left the remainder of the Bible in the wreckage. Shackleton allowed the expedition's photographer, Frank Hurley, to keep his camera and film. He allowed crew member Leonard Hussey to bring his banjo. The men were all instructed to keep their journals. Apparently, Shackleton understood that crisis is no place to abandon art or the inner life. In fact, it may have been one of the few things that kept them sane. Looking back, if it were not for this decision, we would have no visual or written record of what occurred. The following months were spent in a treacherous struggle for survival. Some had frostbite, various sicknesses, and injuries. 
They faced deadly encounters with aggressive snow leopards. Shackleton wept as they had to shoot their pack dogs. One of the men, Pierce Blackborough, who was discovered on the ship as a stowaway, would have to have his toes amputated while another faced a heart attack. Some of the men wanted to commit suicide, but Shackleton forced the men to stay alive. It wouldn't be until the following April when the crew finally managed to get off the splitting ice flows into their three lifeboats, the James Card, Dudley Docker, and Stancom Wills, named after the principal sponsors of the expedition. All 28 men made it safely to Elephant Island, which was about 180 miles away. The voyage was a desperate attempt full of treacherous weather, setbacks, danger, arguments between the disgruntled, suffering men with failing nautical equipment on the most unpredictable water on Earth. From Elephant Island, the crew would have to make it another 800 miles away to South Georgia Island, where Shackleton knew they would find an occupied whaling station. Miraculously enough, everyone made it to Elephant Island. And from there, Shackleton took five of his crew members and set sail in the James Card, leaving the other members to survive on Elephant Island. Shackleton and his men made it to South Georgia, although they landed on an uninhabited side of the island, which meant that in order to reach the whaling station, they would have to cross South Georgia's uncharted glaciers without proper mountaineering gear. Two of the men confessed they were too weak to make the trek, so Shackleton left them behind in the care of crew member Timothy McCarthy. And meanwhile, Shackleton, Frank Worsley, and Tom Crean began a sleepless 36-hour trek in search of the whaling station on the other side. They trudged across snow-covered mountains and valleys, walking for days without sleep, until finally, miraculously, they reached the whaling station alive. A passage from Shackleton's journal highlights one of the most haunting recollections from the experience. He wrote, When I look back at those days, I have no doubt that Providence guided us, not only across those snowfields, but across the storm-white sea that separated Elephant Island from our landing place on South Georgia. I know that during that long and racking march of 36 hours over the unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, it seemed to me often that we were four, not three. I said nothing to my companions on the point, but afterwards, Worsley said to me, Boss, I had a curious feeling on the march that there was another person with us. Crane confessed to the same idea. One feels the dearth of human words, the roughness of mortal speech, in trying to describe things intangible, but a record of our journeys would be incomplete without a reference to a subject very near to our hearts. Shackleton's recounting of his mystical encounter with a fourth man walking alongside them, guiding them across the glaciers, gets at the heart of my interest in the endurance story. Thinking back to his tearing out the verse in Job, from whose womb comes the ice and the frost of heaven who gives it birth, reminds me that even in the most impossible situations, circumstances do not always give the final verdict on a matter. In his published journal titled South, Shackleton paraphrased a poem from Robert Service, 
saying, We had pierced the veneer of outside things. We had suffered, starved, and triumphed, groveled down, yet grasped at glory, brown bigger in the bigness of the whole. We had seen God in his splendors, heard the text that nature renders. We had reached the naked soul of man. Years later, poet T.S. Eliot read Shackleton's account of the fourth man walking with them across the glaciers and included his own poetic rendering in the famous poem, Wasteland. He wrote, Who is the third who walks always beside you? When I count, there are only you and I together. But when I look ahead up the white road, there is always another, one walking beside you, gliding wrapped in a brown mantle, hooded, I do not know whether a man or a woman, but who is that on the other side of you? Pulling from Eliot's poem, author John Geiger wrote his book titled The Third Man Factor, where he documents various accounts of explorers, survivors, and prisoners of war who escaped traumatic events to tell similar experiences. In his chapter on Shackleton's angel, Geiger includes a quote from Baptist minister Frank W. Borum, who compared Shackleton's encounter to the passage in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. And Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spoke, and said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Flame or frost, Borum said, it makes no difference. A truth that in one age can hold its own in a burning fiery furnace can in another vindicate itself just as readily amidst fields of ice and snow. After Shackleton and his companions made it to the whaling station, he began the process of collecting the rest of his men. The three on the other side of South Georgia were recovered quickly, but those on Elephant Island took another four months before they were rescued. Even so, everyone survived. I mentioned at the top of this artist profile that Ernest Shackleton died aboard the exploration ship Quest while he was anchored in South Georgia. Yes, it was South Georgia the place where his greatest failure and his most desperate moments of his life took place. I take comfort in this. Perhaps you can as well. Shackleton didn't give up. His passion wasn't deterred by his failure. And arguably his failure was no failure after all, for his own ambition for fame and glory was transformed into a mission to save others. And in this, he succeeded. And we can't forget it was in the place of his greatest failure where he also experienced his most intimate encounter with the divine. What dream of yours has been frozen in the ice? What desire have you watched go down as it was crushed beyond saving? Perhaps like Shackleton, we can allow the crushing to transform us into a greater dreaming than we've known before one that is not so self-concerned. And perhaps like Shackleton, we can walk in the same spirit of endurance and refusal to give up 
even when others realized the dreams we carried from our youth, even when all hope seems to have been lost. Perhaps some of us may need to go back to the place of our heartbreak or failure and carry with us renewed motivation and mission. And maybe, just maybe, we too will find our own fourth man walking alongside us and leading us back to life. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics Artist Profile Series. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and leave us a kind review on iTunes. We'll see you very soon, my friends, with the beginning of season 11.